died, died. We gotta talk. I gotta give a shout out to my dog. If I had uh, NA Colt 45 the right recovery now, recovery revolution no, will the guy that be cheers. podcast on the since right now addiction recovery network. He was he was the Wednesday night. Welcome to the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Podcast, the podcast of clean and sober, K-L-E-N and S-O-B-R, and SinceRightNow.com, with your hosts in recovery, Jeff, Matt, and Chris. Can you hear me? Yep. All right. All right. Everyone's heard. We are Damn. heard. Everybody <clears throat> likes to be heard. Okay. Um, in just a moment. Jeff has a notebook. Yeah. Everybody. I'm writing some stuff down. All right. So, let's see. We have Pop- a lot to cover this week. Yeah. And we, we yes. got we got to do a quick bit of upfront. Yeah. And then we do have a guest. Yep. Um, Scott Stevens, and uh, I'll do more of an intro in just a bit. Uh, really briefly, I want to address something from last week. We had a listener write us and um, a bit disappointed, I think, in the extent of our uh, cynicism, sarcasm, um, skepticism. That's fair. <laughs> All yeah. the isms. That it's a very fair criticism. Um, I thought we had an off week. I thought we were, yeah, we were just coming off. A, uh, we had an off week. All three of us. As were people, I think yeah. we might have all been having yeah. off weeks. Yes. The show didn't have an off week. No. We just all came together yes. with a, a preponderance of bitterness, cynicism, bitterness. Yeah, and I think um, we, we, we feed off each other's bitterness yeah. too. Yeah. And you know, the fact of the matter is, we talk a lot of shit. True, we talk a lot of shit individually yeah. and collectively. Um, yes. When we're being cynical and skeptical and critical, um, mm, 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 mm. when one of us goes into the hole, yeah, it's very easy for all of us to follow. Because, and quite frankly, you know, I think we, to, to some degree, to a large degree, we're having fun. Well, yeah, we all, you know, have kind of dark senses of humor, and uh, but it bums me out that you know we. We are capable of losing sight of, right. you know, at higher aims here, and yeah, yeah. I mean, ultimately, our goal is to help those in recovery feel some sense of connection, solidarity, um, some confirmation of yeah. however you're doing it. Yeah. Um, but that said, I we were pretty dismissive and pretty flip. And I, I think we even got um, called out for being dismissive of empathy, which I, I haven't re-listened to it. I just haven't had time or the inclination. And for the life of me, I can't imagine that we, we got yeah. dismissive of empathy. And if we did, that's that was just purely um, miscommunication. Yeah. We're we're all yeah. for empathy. Yeah, we're pro empathy. Can we get behind that? <laughs> I think we can get behind that. Okay. So, uh, you know, um, Everyone I think it's more of clear. Yeah. I don't know. We're just explaining ourselves. I'm not, I'm not making excuses, and I'm also no. not apologizing. No. Quite frankly, um, no. it, it is who we are, and we just, you know, we dialed it up a little bit. It got dialed up, and uh, but I hope for anyone listening now, in the future, in the past, um, to, you know. Uh, 
take us in our entirety, um, not based on one one episode, one one listening, um, because as as everyone is, you know, we're sort of we're we're multi dimensional and and flawed, and you know what, yeah. and it's okay not to like us. Yeah, well, yeah, that's, absolutely. That's cool too. That's cool too I, yeah. No, it's not okay. That will hurt my feelings. And I, I, I actually get a little thrill of... when people like unfollow. No, the, the, the Twitter feed or unfollow Facebook. Here we go. <laughs> uh, it's not like I know. See, there. Part of it though is because rush. you don't want to be for everyone. No, and this has never been about adherence to anything yeah. that is going to please some people. And you know, it's right. just kind of we are who we are, and uh, yeah, you know, we are beautiful no yeah. matter what you say. say. No, sorry. Um. All right, so that's that. That's it. And then uh, before we bring uh, um, our guest on, uh, we had said that all of us were going to go to a refuge recovery meeting last week. Yes. Yep. And that was, I think, speaking about refuge recovery without having actually been right. yeah. in our cynical, flippant tone is what kind of got us yes. in the weeds with yes. Uh, yes. this one yeah. listener. And, uh, and maybe others, oh, yeah. but uh, oh, since then, yeah. Jeff has gone. I have gone. Um, so I wanted to do a quick shout out to our our chairperson at my home group who passed away last week, named Jerry Walters. And uh, anyone who knows Jerry, he was uh, the chair guy for twenty years at my meeting, wow, and was a, a super solid cultural guy who set the tone for a terrific group thirty six Wednesday nights <clears throat> six fifteen. Yep. Awesome guy. So suffered no fools, played it by the book. And yep. uh, if you go to a lot of unruly meetings and a lot of structuralist meetings, Jerry would uh, set that straight. Yes, he was a, uh, and the meeting was a great meeting because he set a great tone for that meeting. So anyway, um, there's that. But yes, I did go to a Buddhist meeting um, Monday night, a, a refuge recovery, and I didn't really know. You know, there was not that many people there, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think you guys are going to go next Wednesday. So I'm committing you guys. I'm out of town, which is why I went last week. But next Wednesday, there's one in Webster. There was a meditation, okay, which was cool, right? I like mm-hmm. that. Yep. There was a book, and we read out of the book. It was There was not a lot of stuff at the beginning with you know, rituals and lots of readings. We pretty much jumped right in, which I liked. We then read out of the book, and it was... The chapter that we read was called Intention, and it was about Mm. your intentions and how um, you have to set them in in kind of in the Buddhist way. Um, We only read about three paragraphs and then kind of started talking about it. But, you know, when you set an intention in Mm -hmm. Buddhism, it's different than uh, regular intentions. Um, Regular Christian intentions. Christian intentions, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And I was trying to make this distinction between an intention in Buddhism Mm. and what that meant. Uh Like, you know, the world of sincerity and the world of actions. But but intention certainly was more on the action side in Buddhism than it was on the Christian side, which more felt like a sincerity Hmm. thing, if, if that makes sense. But... Um, so anyway, that was just the topic, and uh, lots of young people there, lots of people there with little sobri- I mean, little time in. So I mm. thought that was uh, by lots. I, what, what? How many were in there? There was probably five people there, and three of them were relatively new. You know, some within days, and some within weeks. I guess as far as just clean time goes. Um, <clears throat> so that was so just as a place to go see. I could totally see refuge recovery being uh, a lots of young people who 
with Eastern yoga philosophy, mm. certainly accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I could see this being a path for people mm-hmm. who get into this and see if they have a problem. And this is a first much easier way than uh, old stodgy 12-step, you know? Yeah, yeah, I could see it disarming so, some of the... Yeah, so I could see, like, if you're trying to help newcomers or meet newcomers, mm-hmm. whatever, that's a good place to go. And uh, so that was cool. Um, and yeah, I, it was a very loving compassion, right? Mm. This is where the cynicism Where we got started. in trouble. I know. <laughs> it so, was empathetic, loving compassion, lots more of that, I think, right. than an old stodgy guy AA meeting with grumpy alligators, you know, crocodiles from 20 yeah. some odd years. Yeah. So that was, but I, I enjoyed it. I so, thoroughly enjoyed it. And there was, there was somebody there leading it. Yep. There was someone there like, yeah, uh, doing, there was a leader and they read and we did read some stuff mm. and. It was oh. a guided meditation where, as you're meditating, there's things to meditate through, mm. which I like. Yeah, I like that. I like, mm. I'm cool with guided meditations. Like you've done Headspace, or right. whatever. Yeah, they yeah. Sure. guided meditation. Yeah, sure. So that was cool. It was like that. Well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm just as open to it as I was last last week, and yeah. I'm part of that. I just um, less Maybe inclined to even more so. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and there's one in right around here. Yeah. All right. And just FYI, we we mock the things we don't understand. That's right. Yeah. It's uh, called uh, contempt before prior to investigation, yeah. right? And it's the thing. And, it's the uh, thing we like to do as humans, and yeah. it's not good. But <laughs> it's part of who we are. Yeah. Sometimes. But I felt good about it. I think good. Okay, so I'd go back. Okay. Yeah. It felt good. It was a good. Right. Nice. Yeah. And so, is there any? keep coming back to it is there i mean what they is didn't it just do that there was nothing that but i mean there's no there's no what, what's the what's the what's the program the, what's the program yeah, yeah. What, what is there that that sort of suggests yeah continuing they just, have four noble truths we went over those and mm. i forgot what they were um but mm. you would like there were familiar concepts mm. um and like honesty, maybe. Yeah, they were all like yeah. <laughs> basics of good living. Yeah. Um, there was no steps. There was no mention of AA. Mm-hmm. It had nothing to do with that. Um, and I think the the concept was basically, you know, as as Buddhism as a big thought is all human beings suffer because we project and live in the future, or whatever. We can't be in the present, um, and that's where most of our suffering comes from. And lots of our suffering can lead to drinking. An addiction, um, and a, having being an addict leads to more suffering, right? Mm-hmm. Which we all know, it kind of piles on itself. Mm-hmm. And I think the whole concept of the refugee recovery was through Buddhism and being in the present moment and relieving that suffering. We could not drink anymore, and would we would be sober, or we would be it would be easier for us to not drink. Mm-hmm. Um, I think was the overall thought, mm-hmm. which made sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. Right on. Right on. Right on. All right. What else? So next Wednesday, you guys are going. That'll sure. Be exciting. Right. Okay. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Before the podcast, and then we're all podcasting? Yeah. Well, come with us I to will. this one, too. I know. I'm out next Wednesday. Oh, you are? Oh, yeah. okay. Oh, okay. So that's why, I could, that's why I went last. Oh, so you're not going to be on the podcast next Wednesday? No. Oh, okay. I, call in. Okay. I could do a call in. Maybe. Okay. Um, all okay. right. So that was my two cents. Matt, do you have anything before we... No, let's do this. Okay. Let's call, let's call Scott. Scott Stevens. Scott Stevens. Any relation? No, no. Oh. That I know of. That I what? know. Of. 
It's a very special <coughs> episode. Oh, that might be the first time we ever gave away your last name on the show. It's not, is it? Oh, no, no we, I think we might have before. My last name is Stevens. Hey, Scott. hey, Chris. Hey, how are you? I'm well, thanks. You are on the show. Welcome to Since Right Now. Um, Thank you. Um, we have joining us now Scott Stevens, um, the author of four alcohol books, I guess. I mean, books on alcohol and alcoholism, including um, his most recent book, Can't See the Forest with All These Damn Trees in the Way, The Health Consequences of Alcohol. And I don't know if um, it's a piece from that book, but but it certainly would fit with it. Um, Scott was kind enough to share uh, on cleanandsober.com Alcohol America's Elephant in the Room, which is what uh, drew me uh, or, or, or made me sit up and take notice. Um, and uh, I guess I'll let you I'll let you talk um, about that piece specifically. Maybe that's a good lead in to 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 where you're at with the new book. Sure. Um, when I I'm a person in long term recovery, and when I when I began this journey, um, being a, a little bit of a nerd, I like to read, and I began to to come across all sorts of studies on the health consequences of consequences of alcohol. You know, there's the obvious one, um, the disease of alcoholism, which, uh, you know, that of course it took some studying on that for me to understand, you know, the nature of the genetics and serotonin and dopamine and getting on to all the geek speak there. Wow. So you went deep, you went deep on the nature of this disease. Sure. But then I'm looking at all these other studies out there and there are volumes of them. Um, so I, I dig into what it's doing to the heart. You know, we always heard this this rumor that red wine is good for your heart, and it turns out that was discredited about 10 years ago, and there have been more than a dozen studies since then, including one just this week from Penn State, to say, hold the truck here. Um, guys, this is not good for the heart. It is anything but good for the heart in any amount for any gender at any age. So... Uh, Digging into that a bit more, you know, digging into brain studies, what it does in terms of early onset dementia, uh, shrinking, actual shrinking of the brain tissue, changing the DNA with inside the brain, and then getting into cancer. The, the big C word, the dreaded word in America is cancer. And, you know, this, this is a known carcinogen. And less, fewer than one in 10 people actually acknowledge that alcohol is a carcinogen. Of course, there's a lot of wishful thinking that goes on when we talk about America's favorite drug of choice, but all of these other studies seem to point in the direction that, you know, hey, this is a major health issue in the United States that, uh, you know, we keep bumping into, but we keep ignoring. So thus the title of my book, I can't see the forest because I keep bumping or with all these damn trees in the way. Because, uh, you know, we talk about a, a healthcare system that's uh, bursting at the seams, and it's not aging baby boomers that are, are flooding the system. We're drowning it in alcohol. When uh, two hospital admissions every, every minute are alcohol-related, and 20 to 40% of the hospital beds, general-use hospital beds, not things like maternity, mm -hmm. obviously, mm -hmm. but uh, 20 to 40% of the hospital beds are going to treat alcohol-related complications, uh, light should go on over everybody's head to say, uh, I think we've discovered a way out of the healthcare crisis here, and it's not a matter of you know sticking it to the doctors and you know modifying the insurance programs. And yeah, sure, 
sure all of that stuff needs to take place in, in its own course, and I, I don't pretend to be an expert on that. But certainly, if we're looking at what's burdening the healthcare system, the best way to manage cost drivers is to manage what's driving the cost, and that is alcohol consumption by and large. Is that really, so, is that really true that alcohol is that big of drag on the healthcare system? That's absolutely. Wow. It's, isn't it like the, the, the I thought it's like the third pre- leading preventable cause of death? Wow. Yes, um, and that or alcohol and that's not deaths. Yeah. yeah, and that's not just in some third world country. That is here in the United States, where yeah. we we have a very high education rate. We mm-hmm. have you know we're a first world country. This is not just a third world problem. This is a first world problem right mm-hmm. here in our in our towns, in our in our own hospitals. That we are drinking ourselves into a a shorter life expectancy, into higher health care costs, lower productivity, and you know, this this carries a two hundred and fifty billion dollar price tag every year, which is a huge, huge amount right. it's it that's a big number. That's a big number. That's a, that's enough to buy everybody a, a forty-eight inch HD TV. Every man, woman, and child in this country. Okay, I'm for that's, it. Okay. Where's my TV? <laughs> yeah. How does this play out, like his, historically? Because I know, like w- one of my, um, I guess I should try to be careful, but it is sort mm-hmm. of a pet peeve that that while it's it's terrible, anyone dying from any preventable cause and from any, um, specifically from, you know, any sort of substance abuse um, mm-hmm. or misuse, uh, that, that heroin has this, and opioids have this spotlight, despite, um, you know, alcohol having these far greater numbers of preventable deaths, and ha- and it's been that way for decades if not i don't know mm-hmm. centuries but how, how does how does what what you're talking about in terms of health costs play out historically i mean has it always been this way it's it's always it's always been a driver of healthcare costs. I mean, th- this is not a new development. Mm-hmm. As long as there's been alcohol, there's been alcohol-related problems, um, not just the disease of alcoholism. We didn't we didn't discover the connection to cancer in, until about the 1920s, but it was largely ignored until the, around 1980s. They began to fish around with the connection to breast cancer, and this is the only dietary connection ever made to an increased risk of breast cancer. Really? But then, uh, you know. Here in the in especially in the last decade, as uh, Health and Human Services just last year finally listed it as a human carcinogen, not a suspected one, but a known one, because of so much research in the past few years to look at okay, what exactly are the health consequences mm-hmm. here? But it's always it's always been uh, part of the it's always been part of society, but it's always always been part of society's problems on the health side. We look at the social problems all the time. We look at the 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 burden of d- the disease of addiction and the toll it takes on families. But aside from all of that, aside from, you know, when people think of drinking, they think of, oh, somebody's going to die of cirrhosis mm-hmm. or they're going to they're going to die in a fiery car ride. Mm-hmm. And most alcohol-related deaths are heart disease. Interesting. Now, is this, that kind of is flies, this like I'm flies in the face. Beer, a, a beer, a, a week or a day, or is this like moderate drinking or light drinking, or is this just alcohol at any level? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yes, it, it's al- 
it's alcohol at any level. There was a, a doctor at Boston University, uh, an oncologist, Dr. Tim Namey, and uh, he did a piece in Addiction Magazine about a year and a half ago, and he says, when it comes to alcohol and cancer, no amount is safe. Right. So, yeah. and if an oncologist is saying that, I, I'm, you know, I'm I'm taking I'm taking notice of that, and I don't think that enough people recognize that the there is this connection. You know, we look at football games in October, all those jocks wearing mm-hmm. pink stuff. All, uh, you know, what's yeah. the number one sponsor of the NFL? Beer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay, so this, I mean, it's it's a huge contradiction. I sit there and scratch my head and say, what the hell is going on here? Mm-hmm. But, you know, we if we look at the connection to breast cancer mm-hmm. uh, being the only dietary connection to an increased risk of breast cancer, that starts at just a, a teaspoon of alcohol a day, which is the amount of alcohol that you would find in a glass of wine. So uh, one glass of wine a day increases your, gives you a double-digit increase risk of breast cancer more than that more than that amount and it's the equivalent of smoking a pack of cigarettes a day Hmm. and you know the society has not made the connection yet additionally we look at oral cancers this is the number two cause of oral cancers we think smoking chewing tobacco Hmm. you know other other habits or uh, addictions but you know alcohol is the number two cause of of oral cancers and you follow the path it goes through the body and you're talking about esophageal cancer stomach cancer obviously liver and pancreas uh, but also colon cancer. I mean, this Mm -hmm. is a very toxic substance that is a known carcinogen. Now, the connection is we're starting to we're starting to break some ground here. I I call it a sea change in the in the um, alcohol policy, because uh, as you were talking historically, Mm -hmm. um, we had this thing called prohibition and that has Mm -hmm. left a bad taste in everybody's mouth. Here we are generations later because nobody wants to talk about banning this drug again. And I'm certainly not calling for that either, but I, I do want there right. to I mean, be a lot more public right? information. Yeah. No, well, absolutely funny, not. After reading your article, it was obvious, like, this guy's a crusader, because all of us have worked in the spirits industry. I think we would all agree mm-hmm. that, for us, alcohol is not right, but we've never mm-hmm. really crusaded about anyone drinking. Mm-hmm. Like, I've always been mm-hmm. encouraging of people who can drink. Great, right? And, and, and yet, mm-hmm. you know, listening to you talk, and I think yeah. about... I've also worked a little bit in the tobacco industry, and I think about the regulatory mm-hmm. constraints put on tobacco companies. Where are the war- if this if this connection is so quantifiable and real, mm-hmm. why isn't it regulated in the same fashion? Why aren't there warning labels about the We're- cancer causing on on bottles of wine and on beer and on any? Are, are we moving that direction? We are should getting we? there. I, I, I think before the be. end of the decade, Interesting. before the end of the decade, we're going to see a ban on alcohol advertising in sports. Uh, a lot of other countries have done it, including Australia, mm-hmm. where they have a notable alcohol problem statistically, no greater, no less than the one that we have right here mm-hmm. in this country. They just happen to be more in tune with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So by the end of the decade, you're going to see that. Now, a bit of historical perspective here. In 1964, the Surgeon General of the United States issued his first report on tobacco smoke. Mm. 
And, you know, at that time, 72% of the adult males smoked. Today, 72% don't. Mm-hmm. Why? And it took a long time to do it, but mm-hmm. that initial report led to gradual change in the dialogue of what smoking does for you to what smoking does to you. Mm-hmm. And we're at that stage now. Just last fall, last uh, November, the Surgeon General of the United States issued his first ever report on the health consequences of alcohol, which uh, was, you know, I, I was waiting on this book for something like this to happen. I had this book written, ready, mm-hmm. uh, locked and loaded, and as soon as he released his report, I said, boom, this is the opportunity here. Because that report is going, and we're in the internet age. It's not going to take four dozen years to make the change now. I mean, we talk about 1964 to 19 or 2017. Well, now, from 2017, when that report came out, to uh, where we're going to be with uh, with tobacco, or excuse me, with alcohol, you know, all the alcohol industry has to do is look at the last 20 years for the tobacco industry. Mm-hmm. This is exactly where we're heading. But because of the internet, because of the the information age that we're in, mm-hmm. uh, this change is going to happen fast, and it's going to, like I said, my my um, opinion is that by the end of this decade. It's, alcohol advertising is going to be banned in sport because we know how bad this is for for youth mm-hmm. um, in 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 any quantity. Right. By twenty twenty, uh, by twenty twenty, mm-hmm. it's so, going to be banned in sports. You think mm-hmm. that's your prediction? I I believe it with everything I got wow. because wow. of because joke. of the there's a, a great deal of sensitivity. And Johns Hopkins University does a lot of. Uh, Studies through uh, their their CAMI unit, which uh, concerns itself with the alcohol marketing to youth, mm-hmm. right? And you know they're they're on this. Alcohol justice out in California has been on the on the trail of Alka Pops, you know those uh, sweet tasting right. malt beverages that are geared. I mean, they're the aiming these silver. things right at kids. Yes, well, exactly. It's, so, I mean, so everything the alcohol industry is doing now is trying to to gain new younger and female users right like there's alcoholic water now alcoholic yeah, yeah. alcoholic people, sodas yeah. yeah i mean it's just so what is alcohol consumption in the u.s is it up or down are people drinking less or drinking more we're drinking more and we're the varieties are gone i mean beer beer was our number one but now we're, we've got all these malt liquor or malt beverages right. the wine industry has exploded distilled yeah. spirits has always been kind of in the middle ground it's neither been up or down mm-hmm. but we we have a greater variety more access to it than we ever have had in the united states and it's growing every week rather than contracting uh, i keep an eye on the legislation and the the local ordinances that uh, you know we're seeing more communities pass Sunday alcohol sales than we are repealing them. So they're they're making broader mm. access to this. But really, uh, back to the back to the point about the malt liquor and oh, you know the, yeah. the fruity taste and stuff. Hey, we had Joe Camel targeted to right. the young kids too. So I mean, this this is the same deal. We're, we're just talking about a different drug. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you are a man who has lived through alcoholism, right? And oh yes. Long, you've, you so you've had your story. You came out of this. And we've had a lot of people who have lived through, you know, harrowing times with, with drug use and mm-hmm. alcohol use. Why, how did you become such a, a crusader about this or where? You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. just reading your stuff and, and listening to you, it's like you have taken up this and have seen something that a lot of us just didn't quite grasp, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. By way of training, um, 
both of my degrees are in journalism, which mm. basically means I took math for idiots twice. <laughs> but in, along that course, you know, I, I, I got into researching. I became the the research geek, gotcha. uh, which which uh, took me it it in my career as it turned into marketing. You know, that that came into play very well in my marketing career because I I got into you know the buying motivations of people and and how to tap into that. I was a voracious reader. Well, in the course of my recovery, you know, here I am. I, I'm still a voracious reader. I'm still a research geek. So I, I, I just changed directions and began to focus on, okay, um, let's stick with the evidence-based stuff here. Yeah. Because as a journalist, that's what you're supposed to be focusing on, not the observational, not the subjective, but the objective. Uh, the stuff that you can prove in a lab, uh, the stuff that uh, that stands scientific measure rather than just uh, wishful thinking. So as I progress along finding more and more studies and um, coming across more and more information about this drug, it's like, you know, it. It's not just uh, my my problem here. Uh, yeah. I know that I know that uh, Jack Daniels and I have had our dance, and it's <laughs> been and the last one at that. Um, mm. You know, I I may have kept Lynchburg in business for a few years, but aside from that, um, you know, aside from my own preference and my own ability to drink alcohol, this is something that you know if we're if we're talking about. Healthcare. If we're talking about all these other political and and news items being from the news industry, um, if we want to stick with the facts, these are facts that are not getting out there. And so I, I'm leveraging my my news experience, my research experience to say, well, stop for a minute here. And part of the problem here is that the mainstream media, and, and I'm not saying there's a conspiracy here. I'm just saying business sense says you you don't kick your topic your top advertiser in the in the teeth yeah. and the top television advertiser alcohol yeah huge huge magazine so, advertiser huge and it's funny because you're it, and one of the questions i had was if the conversation needs to change about alcohol what mm-hmm. what are your what are your talking points do you know what i'm saying because mm-hmm. i read that you know the piece on our site was um, a lot of the it, it was a great piece. Lots of the what the chemical does, et cetera, et cetera. But if we're going to change the conversation, what is the new conversation about alcohol? Then the new conversation is not what it does for you, but what it does to you. Mm-hmm. you okay. know, t- instead of glorifying, you know, the the chicks in bikinis, the fun times at the parties, you know, all the stuff twins. that we are were advertising. Yeah, twins. There you go. Um, boy meets you know, girl, all the- boy meets two girls. That's the only beer story yeah. there is. Yep. <laughs> Yes. We've written it and innumerable the, times. And then, <laughs> and then the alarm goes off, and or you wake up in jail. One of those two will happen. That's but, true. Uh, you're not you're not getting the twins, uh, regardless <laughs> of what Budweiser or anybody else says. But you know, here's the 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 real talk. The real turning point in the dialogue is exactly what happened with smoking. We we started talking about what it does to you. Yeah. Um, instead of glorifying this this use of this drug, we're all of a sudden saying. Back up a second. Here are the health consequences. You know, for the first time, life expectancy in the United States took a step backward mm-hmm. last year. Mm-hmm. And really? part of part of that is our consumption of drugs. Mm-hmm. You talk about the opioid crisis claiming uh, upwards of 28,000 lives a year. You talk about alcohol claiming 89,000 lives a year. You know, we're, we're talking about uh, not just uh, uh, years of life but life in your years you're you're talking about 
spending the the last few years of your life in in cancer treatments or uh, early onset dementia, you know, these types of things that are accelerated or the risks of which increase as a result of your relationship with alcohol. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, and and what I, I always like to point out is, uh, when when you talk talk about heroin use, you know that that one injection can lay you flat. I mean, mm-hmm. you can die from that one injection. Very very unlikely you're going to die from a binge drinking incident. About mm-hmm. you know what are there six thousand a year, if that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's still a ridiculous number from people who are sure. are drinking to the point of expiration. But aside from that, you know, alcohol's consequences come. To, come down long term so even years after you stop drinking you've already done the damage to your system the body is an amazingly resilient thing it can repair the damage however the damage that you do especially beginning at an early age which is why we don't want teens drinking is it's cumulative and it piles up and it puts wear and tear on your body mm-hmm. heart damage for example is cumulative mm-hmm. so I, st- I stopped drinking seven years ago I know the kind of damage that I did. Um, am I am I in the in the clear now that I stopped drinking? Hell no. Hmm. So there there's always going to be an increased risk for me of heart disease because of the toll I put my heart through. There's always going to be an increased risk for me of cancer because of what I put my body through. This. Uh, this toxin, when we dump it into our body, it's converted first into acetaldehyde, mm. which is which is the actual carcinogen here. This is why alcohol is carcinogenic, is because of the acetaldehyde. Acetaldehyde is 30 times more toxic than the alcohol itself. Wow. But as, as it courses through your body, it, it changes your DNA. It, it does destruction, and because it's it's throughout the blood, it's going through every organ, every system in your body. So... Where there's vulnerability, uh, you're going to find cancers. You're going to find, uh, you know, weakened hearts, lung disease. Uh, the list goes on. I, the book that uh, we were yeah. talking about at the top of the show um, highlights 19 different areas of the body, mm. uh, different systems, different organs that are directly impacted by alcohol, as proven in evidence-based research. Wow. Um, I got I got a couple. Questions. Do you have? Uh, do you have kids? Yes, I do. And I have a seventeen-year-old son and a thirteen-year-old daughter going on twenty. And, oh, yeah, well, and and I imagine you you come armed with all this, but you talk to them a bit differently about I do. it. Um, and how how do they? How do you how do you talk to them about it? And how do they internalize or have they or do you see evidence of that? Um, in, in talking to my kids, and plus I do. Sp- at a lot of schools during Red Ribbon Week and Alcohol Awareness right. Month, uh, you know, have those opportunities um, to speak to student audiences in general. Talking to my kids, the the dialogue is very simple because I'm their dad. Dang it! But uh, I I also <laughs> yes. tell them that because I am your dad, I gave you a flawed genetic package right. that's going to make you more susceptible to the disease that I have. Mm. But aside from that, if you you know it. We commonly call this a rite of passage in the United States. It's yeah. not a rite of passage in this house. I will never condemn my kids for trying it because mm-hmm. I know the peer pressure being what it is when I was a teen in the 80s, it's only worse now. I, I get this, but uh, there are consequences, and we talk about this. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, 
um, there's been there have been cancer deaths in our family. There have been dementia. There has been dementia in our family. Mm-hmm. So I say, you know, that can those kind of things can happen to you at a and you're at a greater risk of it when you put a toxin like this in your body. Mm-hmm. You're free to make those choices on your own. But I'm telling you, as your dad, that this ain't a cool idea. Mm-hmm. But when I when I'm speaking to kids in general, you know, I I do this presentation during Red Ribbon Week, where I take a, a shot glass of nail polish remover on the stage and I light it on fire where the fire code permits it, which isn't most every place. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I light that on fire so, and I uh, said, you know, first I take that shot glass. I said. Who would drink this? Which one of you would drink this? Uh, not a hand goes up. Well, this is what your body is turning the alcohol into when you put the alcohol into your body. So you wouldn't knowingly drink uh, nail polish remover, but acetaldehyde is the similar similar uh, acetaldehyde is similar to acetone, which is nail polish remover. Acetaldehyde commercially is used as a propellant in spray paint, and it's used to make rubber and plastics, for God's sakes. This is a really toxic thing. So I take the shot glass and I say, who would drink this? And then I light it, and it, it pops into a, a big fireball right away because it is very flammable, too. And I said, you know, this is not the kind of thing that you would put in your body. And I take, uh, I play a video showing a piece of meat that was sitting in this for 30 minutes. And it's, I said, granted, this is a dead pork chop. This is a dead pig. This is a dead pork chop. There's no blood flowing through this, but look what it did to this meat. Yeah. So imagine what you're doing over time to the same tissues in your body. So, you know, being a little bit more graphic like that uh, with with the student audiences, like it. uh, yeah. it's their gets their sure. attention yeah you know because we we do a, a, a real good job thanks to mothers against drunk driving yeah. to to educate the kids on the dangers of drinking and driving yet only one in three alcohol related deaths for teens happens in a car the other you know you have other diseases plus they're at a higher risk for being a victim of violent crime right yeah and, you know, that that part of the equation, um, you know, I pretty much left out of my last book just focusing on the health consequences. Yeah, the drunk and stupid but, part of the equation. Yeah, that happens all the yeah, time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, it seems like you've been uh, sober seven years. And, I mean, it seems like you've packed a lot into those seven years. Um, I mean, like you must have made the transition to the to, to this this to the writing and the the, the research pretty quickly it's, it seems like you've got quite a few books under your belt and uh um what 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 path got you there How, what, what can you just do a, a brief sort of recap of active years and then your recovery and your program sure um i was a, a late bloomer really it wasn't until like my mid-30s that i started drinking heavily i'm from wisconsin i live in wisconsin so duh i had to drink when i was drink. a teenager yeah about about 14 years old is when i had my first drink and had i known then what i know now i, I would have known that i i've got a problem because we had three guys on a six-pack and we each had two and i look at my two buddies and they're acting all squirrely and i'm like why don't i feel like they look yeah, yeah. you know th- I, if I known then, you know, I don't, I'm not saying the story would be different, but at least, you know, that was an indication. That was a, a gigantic red flag mm-hmm. right there to say, you know, I handle alcohol differently. Mm-hmm. But fast forward the tape until uh, until age 33 or so, uh, great wife, uh, 
great kids, and uh, my wife said, for my birthday, I want you to stop drinking. I said, I really didn't think I was drinking that much. Fact is, I was. I I was a corner office executive for a mutual fund company working in the marketing area, which means I'm entertaining clients all the time, which means I'm drinking all All the time. Uh, on your 401k money, by the way. Um, thank, <laughs> thank you. Uh, but, you know, I'm out I there. I wondered where the hell my 401k you, money went. Yeah. rank it. And there it is. <laughs> yes. Thank you. So, you're welcome. Uh, stop by and visit sometime. Uh, I'll tell you all about your 401k. But the, um, you know, the, the reality in the financial services industry, online, I mean, it's no different than a lot of other industries. We're drinking as a, as a part of the, the schmoozing. So uh, I, it, was, it was out of hand. So she said, stop drinking for my birthday. And I said, oh, okay, no problem. I'm, I'm the big uh, big shot in the corner office. There's nothing I can't do. So I tried to stop, and I couldn't. I couldn't. By noon, I was sweating. I was shaking. And at that moment, I knew that I was alcoholic. But because I'm, I figured I could outsmart this thing. I said, yeah. you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna switch from beer to Jack Daniels and become a maintenance drinker instead of you know pounding down a bunch of beers. I'm just gonna take a sip here and there to keep from getting to that point where I'm shaking or sweating. Sure. And I, I continued to work for another two and a half years after that. Um, of, of course, I drank my way out of that marriage and into a second marriage, drank, drank my way out of that second marriage as well in the, in the process of all this. But at, at, um, at a point, I was drinking at least two liters of Jack Daniels every day wow. just, to, just to stay functional. I mean, just hey. to feel normal, mm-hmm. just so I wouldn't feel shaky or, or unclear in the head, just so I could get out of bed some yeah. days. So Functioning this, alcoholic, yeah. Or, or uh, staving off pain. It wasn't yeah. about uh, yeah. getting drunk mm-hmm. anymore. It was just about being a yeah. human. Well, that's that's the thing with this disease. When it's at its worst, we don't feel bad. We mm-hmm. feel bad when we stop doing this drug. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I figured I'm not going to stop as long as I can. I'm still working. I still have this great house. I still got everything. Yeah, I got a couple of divorces, but you know that that can't be from the alcohol, can it? No. Nah, of course not. They're they're crazy. That's their problem, not mine. Uh, when the second wife left me, there uh, there there goes my chauffeur. So I got behind the wheel on my own in my state, um, drinking that much every day. And I got four DUIs in six weeks. Wow. So that's that's pretty good. That's like a, that's, that's an intentional. Yeah. You're after it on that. Good Lord. Yeah. Um, uh, pretty much in the dickhead hall of fame right there. (laughs) (laughs) Our crests are on either side of you. So it's all good. Okay. So. Good. So I'm, uh, you know, I, I'm a felon now. I, I can no longer work in the financial services industry as a felon, even though my felon is not related to money or, or Bernie Madoff kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm out. So there goes that career. Wow. Uh, as I'm trying to get sober, trying to rebuild my life, um, I suddenly realized that I can be uh, the guy who not only lived his dream job once, but lives it twice. So I was a reporter early on in the start of my career, worked on uh, on camera, on TV as a TV reporter. And now I'm turning around and using my reporting skills to, to inform people, those in recovery, those who want to be in recovery, and those who are just concerned about their health, um, of 
the things that I've discovered yeah. through my journey. So I, I am once again doing that, which I uh, feel I was born to do anyway. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. That's awesome. What, that what, what um, should the public policy for alcohol be? Like where, I, I yeah, what, what should we be doing or what, what would you advocate? It seems, yeah, trying to ban it or not. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't think we can ban it. Uh, yeah. You know, we we're going to see a path very similar to the trajectory that tobacco was on, and that you know we're we're going to gradually um, eliminate it from events. For example, we stop smoking indoors. I think uh, some of the um, mm-hmm. outdoor some of the venues where we presently serve alcohol, like a church picnic, for example, mm-hmm. you know, those kind of things are are going to go <laughs> fall by the wayside. Uh, God bless the Catholics. We play bingo and we drink, and uh, you know that's that's the fall festival. Yeah. But you know those those kind of things, those kind of events, we're, we're gradually going to see a backing off of that. So uh-huh. it's going to be a gradual shift in alcohol policy. Is there's not going to be anything that happens overnight, and it's certainly not all going to be driven by the government. This isn't going to be uh, overreaching on their part, right. but there will be a call from. Uh, from regulatory agencies to label this drug differently than we currently do. Mm-hmm. As you pointed out earlier, we don't right now. Mm-hmm. And, and it'll get to that point. Whether or not that is really effective is aside from the point that we need to do it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, if it saves one life, is it worth it? You know, that, that whole discussion. But beyond that, you know, we're, we're going to have to have more education just like we do with smoking. We start telling kids in kindergarten, don't smoke. Smoking's dirty. Smoking's bad for you. Yeah. But we don't, say anyth- we don't say anything like that about drinking. So the, the dialogue will get down to those earlier grade levels. Yeah. And it has to because the age of first use in this country is averaging 12, 12 wow. years old. That's wild. Wow. I mean, that's down, that's that's down from 14 just a decade ago, just yeah. a decade ago. So, I mean, we need to start earlier and we need to start more with the health message rather than just the, you know, we, we yeah. got to take the entire focus off of drinking and driving. I mean, yes, that's a tragedy. I, I mean, let me back up here a second. We're going to still talk about that, just not as much. the The focus has to be on on the health consequences, just like it was with smoking. You know, mm-hmm. talking about, you know, this this will kill you. It won't be this cigarette. It won't be this drink, but it'll gradually it'll get you. It's like stepping out in the road. The truck just hasn't hit you yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, do uh, yeah. It's interesting. My, it, it, we I think we disclosed earlier. We've all worked on spirits in the advertising and marketing industry. Um, mm-hmm. My my parents are in uh, the alcohol industry. They're in, they're in the wine business, and uh, my dad used to be in the beer business. Um, mm-hmm. But just recently, I was I was at home with my mom and stepdad, and he was asking if if I thought um, alcohol was going to start going the way of uh, cigarettes in terms of pack labeling and stuff. And I'd read a number of articles recently where it does seem to be gaining momentum. That notion mm-hmm. is being put out there, which. Um, you know, the first time I saw, it, I was like surprised, and now that it's it's gaining some traction, I, I, I absolutely see where you're coming from. That it, that it's mm-hmm. an inevitability, just maybe how long it'll take. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, and and we also have other countries lead to follow because. Uh, right. 
for example, on in Australia and in many parts of Europe, they're they're having the same dialogue we are, except for they're further along. They're talking about their alcohol policy, talking about minimum pricing, mm -hmm. talking right. about their tax rate for this, talking about the accessibility of when can we sell this and to whom. Mm -hmm. And you know they they're further down this path than than we are right now. We're we're in American denial here. Yeah. So with with all, I mean you, you're you're very well extremely well versed in, in all aspects of this um, discussion clearly um, on, on a personal level do you you have normie friends I assume you have friends that drink yes um, I do and mm -hmm. uh, do, do they still invite you to parties <laughs> yes the, the, the normies can stand me still okay, you know? okay, good. And, um, and you know like i like i tell everyone uh, i'm not going to be the guy who stands at aisle six at the wind dixie and say you can't buy that you know I, i'm not i'm not that dude um where i you know express my concern is if they ask me i'll tell them um I do have plenty of my books available. They're all over the planet on every bookstore that you can pick, mm -hmm. every outlet. I mean, the information is there. My job is to deliver that. It's not to uh, – it. I'm giving you the information. What you decide to do with mm -hmm. it is yours. And yes. you know, I go to uh, I go to club shows. I'm going to see Metallica in a stadium full of uh, seventy thousand screaming people <laughs> nice. who are probably way more lit up than I ever was. Yeah. And you know, I, I I can go to drinking events with uh, without any sure. um, temptation, and I can go there without uh, any feeling some compelling uh, urge to jump up on my soapbox and say, right. "Hey, wait a minute here, you can't." And you know, I'm not. Uh, that that's I'm not that guy. Yeah. Mm. That's crazy. Well, I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a public health message. Ultimately, certainly mm -hmm. this this latest um, book and 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 where you're coming at, it. and uh, you know, it's I mean, it's it's a public health service, yeah, you know, to, to yeah. a large degree. And mm -hmm. you know, do do you think say say labeling was in place, the big black bordered cancer warning labels on bottles of Jack Daniels when you were drinking mm -hmm. what, what impact do you think that might have had if you can on your drinking then um probably very little yeah um because I'm alcoholic I, right. I drink because I'm alcoholic not right. because uh, of, of any alcoholism doesn't know what he turned you guys know this right. so right. Uh, not, nothing would have knocked me off that bottle of Jack exactly. for for anything I so, would I would have I would have just ignored that yeah and it's really and that's that's what I think I think but it's I think it's those uh what do they say it's like nine out of ten people with a drinking problem aren't alcoholics um, mm -hmm. I think there's there's room for movement on on those nine out of ten and then certainly just uh your your normie will mm -hmm. give it a, mm -hmm. a at least a second thought, um, and uh, you know that's doing the service for for them. Yeah. But yeah, we we on the the far end of the spectrum, I think, uh, mm -hmm. you know, see those things as uh, welcome signs almost. Yeah. yeah, but for those of us those of us on on this end of the spectrum, recognize the fact that no alcoholic ever became alcoholic without having a first drink yeah. at some uh -huh. point along the line. Right. So if we're able to educate people earlier and uh, more starkly with the health benefits, then perhaps we move this thing from age 12 
to age 18. You know, right. I, I think that's a hell of a jump, frankly. Absolutely. But, you know, the, the more we can move that dial in the other direction, the more we can avoid people facing the same kind of consequence that we did as, yeah. a, as an addict of the drug, but also looking at the health consequences and the overall health of our economy, our healthcare system mm-hmm. in our country. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Anecdotally, just b- before we go, so we're, we're eating dinner the other night, and I had rice and I had tamari sauce on the table and my daughter she's she's just turned seven she knows <laughs> that alcohol is bad for dad mm-hmm. and she knows what i do mm-hmm. she understands a bit about you know what recovery is and i do this podcast mm-hmm. every week and, um and she's uh she she's somehow very much become an ingredient label reader you know just in terms of health and organic and gmos and all this and stuff and so she's sitting there and she's reading the the back of the tamari bottle and she goes dad you must not have read this label very carefully. I'm like, what do you mean? And she turns it around and she points and one of the ingredients says alcohol. Wow. And I was like, which is fascinating to me that my seven-year-old's looking out for dad, points out that there's alcohol in this stuff I'm putting on my rice. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And... uh, so that's the story of Chris's relapse. <laughs> <laughs> and I started just pounded the tamari sauce. <laughs> yeah. Get out of the way, people! Yeah. Next, yeah. next thing you know, the store's out of it. Right, Chris, right. Chris right. is Stop in the gutter the outside. <laughs> um, but, I mean, even like those small yeah. incremental shifts in perception. You know, I know when mm-hmm. I was a kid, I wasn't looking for alcohol in the tamari sauce on my parents' table. But um, it's a compelling, compelling yeah case just for transparency just for right. making all of the facts irrefutable real right. facts available to people they're still going to draw their own conclusions right. and make their own decisions yeah. but you know and i i, I think this dialogue also helps to to break down the stigma of alcoholism mm-hmm. because we we think of alcoholics as being the ones who can't drink mm-hmm. um you know they've got this disease because they drink well you know what you too as a normie are subjecting yourself to something um, that you can't drink either um, whether or not you you know that they have they have consequences too now right and that that is that will help uh, somewhat eradicate or alleviate the stigma that we've got today as well and that's kind of a a sidelight to the whole dialogue here but um, it's one that I I find encouraging as well well Scott was fascinating stuff I mean just great great information Um, and you know thank you so much for joining us and uh, how what what do you want how do you want people to find you what do you want them to to go Uh, go look for um, I am on social media through Twitter. I am at alcohol author, uh, Facebook, look up every, or look up alcohologist.com, which is the name of my website. Alcohologist. alcohologist. Yeah. Right. Just like biologist studies yeah. life, alcohologist studies alcohol. alcohol. Nice. So, uh, alcohologist.com there's information about my books out there uh, when you're out on Amazon you can look up Scott Stevens um, my, I'm not the hockey player Scott Stevens by the way I am what Scott Stevens. New Jersey Devil Defenseman yeah. Darn right, but I, I've I like got my, I've, I've got all my own teeth so I'm good um, <laughs> I'm the other Scott, uh, but anyway, you know, it's on Barnes and Noble, Amazon.com, but Alcohologist.com really has all the links to uh, my white paper on my free white paper on alcohol and health called Alcopo- uh, Oh, there I go again, stumbling over my own word. Alcopocalypse. Alcopocalypse. That is a good coinage. Alcopocalypse. Yep. Now. So, I love it. so it's. <laughs> 
six signs of the alcoholics and that uh, six signs that uh, the, there's a changing tide against alcoholism. Plus, you know, I got those four books out there. They're designed to be accessible. They're not designed to be a, a, a great big nerdy read. They're uh, designed to be readable. Um, part A lot of my story is in there. And so it's personal. It's, it's something that even a, a, a normie can connect with somebody who has a loved one who's uh, struggling with the disease can kind of get a glimpse inside of uh, what goes on in our crazy melons as well. And I think normies in particular would benefit from a read of your latest. Yeah. I mean, just yeah. in particular. Absolutely. Um, and the piece on our site's awesome. Yeah. It's yeah. a great introductory piece. Thank you. Thank you. That you was a uh, of nature. Yeah. <laughs> no question about it. All right. Well, Thanks for joining us, and uh, well, take care. Yeah. yeah, thank you much, Scott. All right, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on the Bye. program, and give me a shout anytime. I'm Absolutely, glad to join you. Yeah, be well. Thanks. Bye. All right, that's crazy. Because you think like sports. So we were a world. I still miss the Camel Club pitch. To be honest with you, that's pretty f- crazy to me. Like I don't smoke anymore, but there was something about tobacco marketing, and then you think about all the events that are sponsored by beer and how right. prevalent alcohol is everywhere mm. you know there's 20 events coming to from wines to craft beer events to just whatever mm, yeah and as that starts to fade away it's like is that really gonna happen but i'm like oh yeah i guess it did with smoking it did like, with smoking yeah, just sure sort of did slowly right sure did i think the tide is turning yeah it's just crazy oh, wow. to think about though how it, i don't know it's just crazy to think about humanity and alcohol it's been around forever mm. right yes. since mm-hmm. jesus's time so it's not like some this is some new thing but and how prevalent it is in the U.S. right on so many levels on right. so socioeconomic yeah cultural Globally. right yeah yeah around the world yeah but but and smoking always seemed like you're putting smoke in your lungs like right. it never passed the common sense test and in I guess alcohol right. kind of does. does but in our parents' lifetime yeah. Santa gave you cartons of smokes in your stocking That's and true. Joe DiMaggio told you about how he had a Chesterfield before every game his nerves you know I mean that's true um, there was a time in which yeah so 10 years from now okay three years from now three years from now smoking our booze is out of sports yeah that's crazy I mean it's just crazy to think about right yeah because it sponsors so many things it it fuels whole industries yeah it's not just the alcohol industry it's it's that all that money gets spread around hmm I think it'll be, I mean, fascinating to to watch and maybe, I don't know, maybe is that, I don't know, the activist, activism angle of, uh, there there hasn't been an activism angle to what we do, Clean and Sober or the podcast. No. There's been a slacktivism (laughs) angle. Yeah. Um, Let's get active. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, for that it says something to me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. No, no, no. I'm, I'm saying, but that that his piece, the piece on the site, alcohol, the elephant in the room, resonated with me just because I do mm-hmm. feel like alcohol has gotten this tremendous. It kills so many more people. Blind than eye turned to. It yeah, it gets a pass. Yeah, yeah. it does get a pass. Well, it's it's ob- it's why rock the boat with something that we've all sort of accepted. Anyway, right? Like alcohol has had a free pass for a long time. It feels like gone and down cigarettes. Hard drugs, it did too, right? Yeah. Cigarettes. Yeah. It feels like table stakes. It's part of the it's fabric. Such, yeah, but exactly. but for the person who drinks a glass, like cigarettes, to me, it's hard to be a person who smokes a single cigarette or have a couple cigarettes every day, right? 
At some right. point, nicotine's such a quick acting, it's going to hook yeah. you. You become a smoker, right? Yep. Yep. And I don't know if alcohol has that same with everybody. Yeah. Like some people just same drink. drawing power. Yeah. Had they literally have a couple drinks a week and just mm. normies, some yeah. steam. Normies, right? Yeah. Um, so it seems like it has a different relationship with the with every with everybody across the board and it doesn't have that same plus i think alcohol the buzz is you get drunk you get a little high you have a great time i don't think cigarettes really do that right they're just well you have a couple of cigarettes and you don't have a buzz of like you're not, not getting laid on apples. cigarettes as you no. said nerds ain't getting laid without booze it's it's not apples to apples <laughs> he was pointing at me <laughs> I said it in jest, but not really. You know, and that's the that's the beer commercial mentality. Right. You know, is that it loosens everybody up, and we all talk about what that you know some of the early you hear it in almost every meeting you go to when somebody tells an origin story or their story. It's the first time that magic elixir touched my lips. I was Superman. I could right. talk to women. Mm. I could. I was the life of the party. I was. Right. You know, the lowering of inhibitions is probably a more powerful no- motivator than. Wow, I feel slightly nauseous. Cigarettes are awesome, you know. But right. so it's not apples to apples. But I think the regulatory yeah. wrinkle here and the way that these are mat these are legal products mm. yeah. that are mass marketed. Yeah, um, that's the comparison. That's really mm-hmm. interesting. I agree. Yeah, and it's hard to disagree with. I had no idea how devastating. Like I didn't know any of that. Most of the hell stuff. Like I knew alcohol killed a lot of people. I assumed it was from cirrhosis or falling off a train or doing stupid shit. I had no idea it affected these nine other. I knew brain, mm. heart. You know, I didn't know any. Hard of that. liquor consumption in particular is purportedly the leading cause of mouth cancer. Yeah, so that's, that was interesting too. Crazy. But, but yeah, there are there are lots of, and I think if we all go out and read, yeah, can't see the forest through all these damn trees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, We'll, learn a we'll lot. know the 19 ways in which alcohol affects your various yeah. systems mm-hmm. of the body, but my gosh, it's a killer. It's bad. Yeah. Yeah. Aren't you glad we don't drink? Yeah. What he was saying about the what you saying about the cumulative effect of alcohol on your heart and what other yeah. something else? It's a slow. And I'm just like, oh, man, shit. I fucked myself up. Yeah. Yeah. Too. I'm telling going, you, man. We're going to die. We're going to die, but look at us. Yeah, no, we're doing good. Not dead yet? No. Okay. Don't drink and go to meetings. Yeah. Don't drink, go to meetings. <laughs> okay, I can't wait for the Buddhist recovery talk next week. I'm calling in for that after you guys go. 830. Can't you just contact us through the astral plane? <laughs> <laughs> I will be the fat Buddha sitting next to you at the meeting. Bye. Bye. That was good. Another clean and sober intervention.